start. Wait, we already have. Yes, we have. All right, great. We will continue. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 500 Greatest. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to the 500 Greatest Films podcast. My name is Hector Navarro. Sitting across from me is my good buddy, Mr. Keller Knobloch. Say hi, Keller. Hi. And we have a really fucking good guest today. Fucking good. <laughs> you put up Donald Trump hands when you did that. <laughs> I am pissed that he has co-opted that because I feel like I've been doing this. My, I do certain mannerisms where I'm like, I'm like an Italian. I talk with my hands and now I'm like, well, now I can't talk with my hands because that piece of shit. So, piece of shit. Oh, boy. Uh, but our guest today is... You're not a piece of shit. One of my favorite... This is this is for real. One of my favorite people to talk about movies with. Oh yes. boy! I have yes. agreed with him. I've disagreed with him. I have been exactly on the same page as him, and I have been totally on the opposite side of the world with him on certain opinions of movies. And it's still always so great to talk to him. He is a writer, a comedian, an actor, a photographer. What else, Cameron? That's it. Is that? You nailed it. Producer? That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty I, good. yeah I've produced some shows. You, reader. Reader. I, I like naps. Napper, I'm a big pooper. coffee. If you were to go to Eater. my Bumble, it'd be like, I like coffee. <laughs> we're going to go like over coffee your Coffee and hike. We're going to go over your entire Bumble profile, yeah. and we're going to get it right. Do you I need know, some uh, photo opinions? Like, am I doing it wrong? Yeah. Here on the you know him from, uh, films podcast. from shows on Hyper RPG, and mm-hmm. he puts up shows at the Pack Theater, and he is a comedian in Los Angeles, Mr. Cameron Rice. Cameron! Hello! Hello! Finally, yes. you're on the movie podcast. Yeah, I've, been, I've been itching. It's eight months into this thing. I know. <laughs> and is now, try to remind me, too, before we get into, actually, before, in, before we get into the, into the show today, yeah. where there's a little bit of business we got to go over. Okay, please. We have been asking... Uh, you know, sort of like um, uh, retroactively, our guests in okay. the past, what movies they would have contributed to a new list that Keller and I are collecting. We're, we're creating this new list of the 500 greatest movies so that by the time we're done after this 10 year endeavor, we'll have a completely new list of like, here's movies that each one of our guests have picked. Oh my. Um, to, to, to give us maybe a list that we'll like more or exactly. whatever. So, I feel like everything I'm going to name is like on the list already. It's going to just be a lot of like, already okay. on there. Already yes. on there. <laughs> and give, last week, what was the movie we got put on there? Ong Bak. Ong Bak got put Ooh, on the list. Ooh, that is our, a good call. So, Jenny yeah. Chalakian, she picked Ong Bak. The week before that was The Naked Gun. The week before that was Back to the Future. Now, Back to the Future already exists on the list. The, the two movies that Keller and I picked each, I picked Jurassic Park for one, and I'm like, that's, that's on the good. List. But it's these movies that, like, I want to ensure that that exists yeah. in this new list, that would live in this new list. So we need to make a couple of announcements, right? Great. I picked The Iron Giant and Jurassic Park. Keller picked Empire of the Sun and Hot Rod. For those keeping track, our very first guest, Emma Fife on Superman Returns, she picked... Clueless, Ooh. which is a good addition. Mm-hmm. Very I good addition. I think it might be on the list, even. Our uh, third guest, Eric Calderon, who was here for the movie Sideways, picked Conan the Barbarian, 1982. Of course. That's we have very his good. Conan yeah. the Barbarian sword sitting in front of our television. That's true. Uh, our buddy Matt Acevedo, who joined us for Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, <laughs> picked a movie I did not expect. Exactly. Children of Men. Which is mm. so fucking good. It's a great movie, and it already exists on the list. It does. But, I, like, but it needs to, we need to make sure it's on the new good list. Good call. Good call, Matt. And lastly, our guest from uh, maybe about a month and a half ago joined us for Into the Wild, Lucas Eubank, picked... What? A movie. I I think the only reason he didn't pick Hot Rod is because you picked yeah, Hot Rod. I beat him to it. He picked Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which is Ooh, so good. Very it's good. One of his, it might be his favorite, one of his he favorite films. He said it's films. his favorite movie. So, so we're going to hear Cameron's pick by the end of the show. Please. I already got it. Please. But he's you already do? got it. Okay, but we're not saying it. Locked in. Clear. Everybody has to wait. We got that business out of the way. listen to us talk about the deer hunter first. <laughs> we, I'm excited about. Here's, you are excited here's about my first question before, person to watch it with us. before we get into it. Cameron, did it take eight months for you to be on this show because I gave you the list and you picked Deer Hunter? Or or was there like, hey, here's a bunch we haven't booked yet. Can you pick one of these? And you're like, I'll do Deer Hunter. You so you show me you show me the list. You show me the list. I believe it started as a conversation in the realm of can you believe Saw and the second yeah. parts of the Caribbean are on this list? And I was like, no, I cannot. Yeah. Um, but I, sh- I looked at the list and actually it was, um, uh, I was like, oh, I want to do The Fountain. And originally you said, okay, great. We don't have anyone for the fountain. And then you texted me that, light, that night and you're like, we do have someone for the yeah. fountain. Yeah, I Mark forgot. Dave Christensen yeah, Mark Dave Christian. So I was like, okay, well, let me look at what's coming. And mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, as far as like the unbooked, I think Deer Hunter was one of the unbooks. Yeah, nobody jumped up for Deer Hunter. Yeah. But you 
it's we're a chunky gonna, it's a chunky baby it's a chunky baby it is a chunky baby but we're gonna get into a chunky cameron's violent <laughs> baby depressing <laughs> baby it's a sad baby a russian baby <laughs> a russian uh, pennsylvanian baby. baby we're gonna talk about cameron's history with the movie but forced keller Hit us with that British guy voice describing the movie that we're talking about today. Ooh, I can't wait. Here we go from Empire Magazine 2008. 467. The Deer Hunter. 1978. Director Michael Cimino. Cimino. Cimino's bold, powerful <laughs> Nam epic goes from blue-collar macho rituals to a fiery Southeast Asian hell and back to a ragged sing-along of America the Beautiful. De Niro holds it together, but Christopher Walken, Meryl Streep, and John Savage are unforgettable. Yeah. That's I a mean, good, good description. Good mm-hmm. synopsis. When, when you said unforgettable, Cameron kind of perked up a little bit. Would you agree or disagree with that sort of No, I, w- I would agree. Maybe it's... Uh... The fine reading we got there that say like De Niro holds it together almost makes it sound like ah he's fine right and I would actually he's say phenomenal in this so this is well, yeah he is like the anchor through thread mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so but yeah so yeah uh, where do we begin the history or what start where did you watch first <laughs> what age were you when you first watched the deer hunter. the deer hunter so growing up I you hunted um, so many deer so many yeah growing up in LA yeah. deer are rampant <laughs> exactly up in the canyons man no oh, man uh, so on the weekends, I would usually go to... So I grew up Catholic, mm. uh, and so Sunday school and church were a big deal on sa- Sundays, so Saturday night sleepovers were not a thing that was going to happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. And through most of elementary school, I did Little League. So Saturday morning was wake up early to go I to... I don't know how this gets to the deer Some, pra- some practice, you'll get, you'll see. <laughs> so most weekends, rather than like going out and doing stuff, I would go to the local library mm. and just rent the... Go to the VHS section, yeah, and just grab the longest movies I could because I knew I was going to be indoors all weekend oh, after church or wow. after uh, baseball practice Literally. or football practice. Yeah, uh, and at this point, you already loved movies. Yes. And how old were you at this point doing Little League? Like um, 13, 12, 13? Yeah, like eleven, twelve. Yeah, around fuck? around that time. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, I have. To- <laughs> So a marker in life is age nine. My dad passes away. So I have to be like, did my dad pass away by the time I saw sure. Deer Hunter? He had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Deer Hunter, I saw along with like Raging Bull and Godfathers and Goodfellas and stuff like that around like 12, 13. Yeah. Because you love movies. You go to the library, which people forget is a great resource for renting movies. It mm-hmm. was and it still is. They still have like DVDs and stuff. We that was the one place you can literally get a movie for seven days. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is a better deal than Blockbuster. For free. And for it free. Is. Yeah. yeah. So you would grab stuff that had a long running time because you're like, I love film. That double, I, that double VHS double box. Double VHS. And that oh, yeah. was the Deer Hunter was Brave a double Heart VHS. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you saw it when you're 12, 13. Yeah. I mean, you talked about how you owned the film since you saw it the first time uh, while we were watching it this afternoon. And by the way, again, miscommunication. You saw it a few days ago. <laughs> it wasn't and we were I like Instagrammed him. <laughs> While the credits were still up, you had plenty of time to no, turn it. That off. was not a live Instagram feed. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, it's totally Keller fine. was like, "No, camera, don't watch it. Come over and watch it." And you're like, "I'll watch it twice." Yeah, I'll uh, watch it twice. So you were nice enough to come over and and hang out with us while. And I told you too that you could have just you know stayed home, done whatever. And I was Meh. like, "Hey, we're starting it at three. Come over on Sunday if you can." And you were here, so again, I appreciate that. But you were saying as we were watching the movie that. You, since watching it for the first time in your lifetime, you've probably seen it like ten to fifteen times. This long film, and that you love it, and that it's, long, sad and film. it's something that you have obviously revisited. So, what was it like watching it when you were thirteen? Versus, did you pick up anything on your two recent rewatches? You know, as a as a gentleman in your thirties now. Yeah, I think uh, at a young age, um, watching it, it's mostly just like the pa- the power of the scenes yeah. and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and kind of living in it, as it were. Um, I think now as an adult, you see, especially someone who's a writer, you see like some of the things that get set up at the beginning, that yeah. then, uh, pay off at the end, yeah. lines of dialogue that'll make a return and things like, which is like little subtle things you pointed out that yeah. at the beginning at the wedding when Robert De Niro is staring at Meryl Streep, that there's a, a female character, one of the bridesmaids is like staring at him, but it's, it's like barely in frame. It's very subtle because it's yeah. setting up this sort of the, the relationships between the characters. So when you're younger, it's like, you're just watching that and you're like, oh, Robert De Niro's looking at Meryl Streep. I don't know. 
But then when yeah. you're, you're like understanding what uh, the point of view is saying, what the camera's saying, how mm-hmm. it's saying it, and things like that. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, even watching it twice in one week, even after this watch, I was like, I love this movie. When's the last time you watched it before that? Um, I think when the Blu-ray came out, which was maybe like three or four years ago. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, this was like the the watch was more like a big refresher. Mm-hmm. The first watch, the second watch was more about like trying to take in like cinematography and yeah. stuff like that. Little details. And also to so see much how. more research than we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also to see like how people respond to it. Because every time I've watched it, it's like I've watched it alone. Like I've let people borrow it and stuff like that. And they'll yeah. tell me later what they saw. Yeah. What was thought. it like watching this movie with obnoxious ass myself and Keller <laughs> just talking through? Like, I know I ask too many questions, guys. I ask so many questions. I'm trying, you know, I'm getting into the film. <laughs> it's I, very much like my mom. Yeah. Anytime we watch a movie, movie theater even, <laughs> opening weekend, she doesn't care. She'll lean in. Yell. I thought they were friends. <laughs> I'm like, they were. Why don't we see why they're not? Because I haven't seen this either. <laughs> uh, so I have never seen. The... Is that what it's like when they saw Fox and the Hound with your mom? Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were friends. I thought they were friends. I've never we're seen children. the Deer Hunter. Keller, have you ever seen it? Uh, I've seen an hour and a half of it. That's right. That's right. Hour and a half of it. Sporadic. I got to Vietnam. (laughs) And then I was like, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) I cannot do any more of this. (laughs) It's so interesting because like this film along with Apocalypse Now, which I still have yet to see. Very good. Like in my life. So much of the movie has permeated pop culture that I still like recognized while watching The Deer Hunter. I'm like, oh. When other things reference the deer hunter, now I I can I see it. Get any of it, you know? Um, I didn't pick up. Well, there's there's. A, I think huge. my first ever understanding of the deer hunter is probably for most people around our age was a Simpsons joke, and then yeah, understanding, what was it? Understanding, oh, that's where the Simpsons got this from. I can't remember the exact episode, but it's Mo going to the back of the bar to clear out the bar. It's not the FBI pandas episode, but it was okay. another running gag of Does Mo he has stuff. singing America the Beautiful. <laughs> That'd be amazing. But Mo walks to the back of the bar and there is, um, I believe it's uh, Carl and someone else and they're playing Russian roulette oh. and they have the guy with the glasses and the one black glass <laughs> yeah. puts the gun down and starts yelling, Pete Mao! And then Mo's like, you gotta get out of here. We gotta call the game. <laughs> so it was oh the Simpsons. God. And... This is, as a writer, especially just comedy, I always talk about um, when you're doing reference humor, mm-hmm. you know, how did The Simpsons do it? And the brilliant thing about the way The Simpsons does it is that if you don't know the thing, it's still funny. Mm-hmm. All you mm-hmm. need to know is that Moe's a shady fucking dude who's mm-hmm. got like... And that there's a Russian roulette happening in the back of his bar. <laughs> but then you watch Deer Hunter and I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what I was thinking on the way over here was like, because uh, uh, I just dropped off uh, uh, my girlfriend and came back to record, and I'm like, I feel like there was a Simpsons reference in Deer Hunter that now my brain is going to... But thank you for actually clarifying that for yeah. me. So <laughs> Keller had seen an hour and a half of it. Keller, what is your overall impression of the Deer Hunter now that you've seen it all the way through after we watched it today? I enjoyed it. I do think it needed to be three hours long. <laughs> I'm very okay with it. Yeah. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it. Didn't you just say before we started too that you, even though you love the movie Cameron, that you're like, I think it can be shorter? Or no, 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 no. That was about uh, that was about oh. um, uh, Heaven's Gate, Trimino's next film, which we'll get into. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, we can talk about that. Yeah, the length. So here's the deal. It's three hours, four minutes long. Yes. Yes. Which is long. It yes. is. As far as but, movies go, and as far as like time sitting down goes. Yes. Three hours. I had to stand up. That's a stretch. It is. But I was in the. I was in the. I'm not an editor, but I was in like editor mode when the movie started because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's up on Amazon or we pop in the DVD. We know the running time. We have to schedule this. So just knowing that it's three hours and as the film starts, there's long takes of like the iron, you know, mill that they work at and just like yep. establishing shots and shots where like De Niro's walking out of the cabin and walks up to the cliff before he goes off into his hunting trip. These shots where my editor brain is like, could this have been trimmed down? Could this being been a two and a half hour movie? Two hour forty five. Could this have been a two hour movie? Mm-hmm. I don't think this movie could work as two hours. I think that there's you a version could have done of this. Two forty five. I That's think there's it, a version to, to just trim some of that fat. But then by the end of the film, we don't need the car turning the corner. Yeah, I guess. But and, it's and, also and fine the, that it's in there because the extended four joke and a half hour of like escape. when they pull over to take a piss before they go on their last hunting trip and then they leave the guy, but then back That's the car funny. up and then leave him again, like. I'm like, but then they back the car up and then he gets in. Okay, don't fuck around. Don't fuck around. Then he gets in and then they drive off. I'm like, I loved that. 
But yeah, my editor brain was going, could we have lost this? No. When the movie was over, I think my feeling is now, I think this movie needs to be exactly how long it was. And we were talking about it the second we cut to Vietnam. And it is one of the most harrowing, like brutal scenes I've seen in a movie. Like something that I think will stick with me in my brain forever. Now when I think about Vietnam in history, I'll probably think of, along with scenes from other movies. The Pit. I think I'll think of The Pit. I'll think of, of... the fucking pit. Just, that is like the worst way yeah. to be held prisoner. Yes. Just yeah. up yeah. to your neck in water. With dead bodies and rats and, and stuff rats, in there. Yeah. yeah. So, so and as we got to that, when we got to Vietnam and it was hell, mm-hmm. Cameron like immediately was like, that's why we needed an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 15 of like all the bullshit beforehand because it's just them having a normal life. And then we cut to this and it's just, it's a complete 180. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You couldn't just start the movie there because. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the important, and also to talk about this era of film, because mm-hmm. it's very easy for any, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know the age range of your listeners, your listenership. Probably people uh, like us, but I, to go along with what you're saying, this was, years? this was decades before prestige television. This was decade like movies well, were that long because they were like events. Well, it's also like that was sort of the, 70s, 60s, if you look at a lot of those eras of film, now obviously we still have long movies today come out. Transformers is nearly Judd three Apatow. hours long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Judd Apatow. The Transformers is 40. movies are almost three hours long each. Um, but uh, at the time... How are they still that long? Like, what is happening in those movies? I, I couldn't know. tell you. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, Bumblebee peed on John Turturro. <laughs> that's like, all I know. fucking good, though. <laughs> <laughs> he had it coming. He had it coming. Um, but... Uh, Back then, movies only came out like it's not like today where a mm. big movie like Avengers gets released in four thousand theaters on the same day. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was uh, slow releases. So like even what was like a big prestige movie, Robert De Niro is the biggest star in the world, and da da da. It still is like we put it out in New York and L.A. We mm-hmm. see how it does. If it does well, we'll put it out in Chicago and this area. If it does well, then we'll open. There nationwide things were not really a thing that yeah. really Unless existed it was back like then. Star Wars, yeah, yeah. Uh, and even like. Um, I've had this conversation actually about The Shining. Is some people are like uh, the bear, the bear costume scene, especially mm-hmm. people are like, you know, if you watch that in slow motion, that costume looks really silly. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, the movie was released before VHS was a thing. Yeah. You were only gonna ever see that. Yeah. And when it was made, the only time you saw that movie was in the theater, and it was a three second flash, and you were like, what the fuck was that? Yep. If you, you never had a rewind, motion, it's like no fuck, champ. That's why it's not <laughs> yeah. in slow motion. Yeah. Oh. But my point being is like, so back then. Movies were released like to be these longer um, sit in it, longer sit in things because that's that's what you did. Like you, and there was television around. Is obviously people weren't cavemen back then, yeah. but you had this like, oh, this is going to be my novel. Some people the did day. live in caves back then, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, you'd go to the movies and you'd see The Godfather or The Godfather Part Two, and it was and Exorcist is not short. Yeah, like, and, and these were all like the way we think of prestige television today, where there are these ten episode hour long, you know, mini like miniseries and events that are on HBO. It's like that was effectively back then those kinds of budgets were being used for these films. And like you said, Cameron, there are, they are a director and writers like Epic, they're novels, they're novellas. And they also was no such thing as home video. So a movie that would come out like that, I feel like Godfather was one of the few films that, that even before home video, like, like TV channels got the rights to it and then would play it on TV. And mm-hmm. then they had that Godfather cut where it was like, but you know, like a huge, well, that's why they, event. that's why they had that things back awesome. in the day where it's like, buy, buy star Wars on vinyl record and hear someone read you the scenes because yep. there was no way to rewatch star Wars once yep. it was out of theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how Michael Chikino fell in love with film music. Awful. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think the thing about with deer hunter, it does, it does feel like a novel. It feels like you're going to live in this world and kind of like any, you know, any of those big, big books where people are like, takes a little while, but once you're in it, mm-hmm. once you get past yeah. the first hundred pages with the characters, you will soak, you know, just soak into the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Deer Hunter feels a lot like that. It's not based on a book. Um, it is so obviously the, ma- the most famous thing from the Deer Hunter is probably the Russian roulette scene. Yeah. So there yeah. was a script that was a gambling script yeah. where Casinos. a group of friends went to like Vegas and it turned into a Russian roulette thing and this that, and the other. The producer of this movie had that script, and then he Tossed went to he went to Michael Cimino and was like, "Hey, I have this script. I can't really think of anything to do with it. What do you think of it?" And then Cimino was dealing with this Vietnam idea yeah. and kind of all folded it in together. Yeah, it makes sense. So because you said that that like Russian roulette isn't like a 
thing. It was apparently, we'll get into it right now, it was apparently like fabricated, which I didn't know, because the, yeah. because the scene happened, the scene, and it is the, one of the most stressful it's so scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. It's so tense. And then when it was done, or in the middle of it, Cameron, you were saying, this was all fabricated, this was apparently not a thing that was recorded as having have happened during the Vietnam War in Vietnam. But then you said Roger Ebert talked about in his review for the film, it's a great analogy for what vietnam was and for what the war was because it could happen to you at any time you're forced to do it and you have no control over it yeah that kind of and so when you said that i was like yeah it, it even though as a metaphor within a scene yes. within a film yeah mm-hmm. it it and how people would get lost and that's what ended up happening to chris Watkins' character now he got lost in russian roulette but it's still a metaphor for like what can happen to a person when they go through something and like that. And ultimately, Christopher Walken did have control in the end. Yeah. He knew how he was going to die. Yeah. yeah. He didn't know when at that point. Yeah, yeah. man. So, um, yeah, that thing was so intense. My overall thoughts of the film were, I'm so glad I watched it. I think mm-hmm. it's a great movie. I think to answer the question, which has become part of why, why we're doing this. It should yeah. be on the list. Does it deserve a spot? And I'm like, absolutely. I think it does deserve a spot on the 500 greatest movies of all it time. It should be way higher. That's yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Not being super familiar with the list, admittedly, I'm a little... <laughs> Uh, Kingdom. I'm a little bit surprised that it's, Indiana it's, Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and Phantom Menace are both ranked higher than this movie. <laughs> if that gives you any gauge on how you should feel about this list, yeah, I, I feel like I'm not yeah. saying this should be like top ten, but no. I feel like it should at least maybe be in the top two fifty. Exactly, yes. top. Half. I agree. Um, just last week we watched The Crow. And we're watching Snatch next week. <laughs> And I'm like, what a sandwich! It's, it's, it is. It is a weird sandwich. It so is a weird I, sandwich. I thought that the performances were fucking incredible i thought everybody did such a good job i said it while watching it i think meryl streep is maybe the greatest living actor so it might period. be worth noting people listening might not that was her first movie her first her very movie first and film keller you hit me with daniel day lewis and i said i love daniel day lewis but he, he really transforms and i think meryl streep has an ability to play a normal woman a normal yeah. person an american you know she works at a market and she's still going through this thing whereas like i can't see daniel day lewis as the husband of somebody who goes to war and she comes back messed up or doesn't come back and Daniel Day-Lewis has to deal with it. Daniel Day-Lewis is going to have a great mustache in that role. He's going to have a great voice that he puts on and I'll no, be like, man. I Here. lost I lost him. I lost Daniel Day-Lewis. Now he's a character. But such great performances and um, the other thing too is like so many great movies that we've seen so far, like the good ones and probably more that we have yet to see. It's a great film. I don't know if I ever need to see it again. Mm. You know, one of those movies where I'm like, this is tough. It is tough to oh, watch, yeah. it's a, but yeah. it's like mandatory. It's like necessary. I kept saying throughout, I was like, they should show this in school. I mm-hmm. wish I saw this in high school. Yeah. And um, I think for me, I'm, <laughs> I admittedly like what I call uh, sad bastard movies. <laughs> uh, this is a sad bastard movie. Cameron. Yeah. A sad, there's a few sad bastards in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the, to talk a little bit about the, the length again, I think the, the only reason... I think it's worth doing it. It's hard and it is a patient sit. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, yeah, it's that hard cut to Vietnam, I think is a big deal. But it's also about showing the con- the it, juxtaposition of what it was before. Mm-hmm. Well, what it was before and then what it is after for yeah. when they yeah, come back. Exactly. It's about how... I was really the, happy that, that when the running time was happening, I was like, oh, we have an hour left in the movie. Oh, we're back in the States. Yeah. Great. I was like, yeah. we're going to feel it. Yeah, this the, is great. A, a majority of the movie does not take place in Vietnam, considering no. this is often talked about as a Vietnam movie. It's like 45 minutes. It's more like Vietnam. a pre-Vietnam and a post-Vietnam movie mm-hmm. uh, in that... You see their lives before Vietnam where it's like they're at the bar and they're drinking and they're having jokes and they're like send me where the bullets are flying. Yeah, they're having this wedding mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. And then the juxtaposition is after is through Robert De Niro's eyes. You then see all the stuff they enjoyed in their small town is completely either meaningless yeah. or they can't find a purpose in it. And then the juxtaposition that the movie opens with this big celebratory wedding and closes with this funeral at the same church. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's so you true. get this like circular journey uh, the movie is not without its controversies obviously mm-hmm. i think um this the year it won all the oscars was called like the vietnam oscars because mm. also coming home jane fonda and john voigt's uh film by hal ashby uh was also nominated and that too is a great movie mm-hmm. and voigt and uh jane fonda won mm-hmm. for best actor and actress um but deer hunter won everything else and mm-hmm. jane fonda was on record as saying that the deer hunter is the uh, Pentagon's version of the Vietnam War. Mm. Like the version that the U.S. wants you to believe in. Interesting. Yeah, um, there's, there's, a a lot of, 
said that about Deer Hunter? She said that about Deer Hunter. And for people who don't know Jane Fonda's history was very outspoken against the Vietnam War, the Hannaway Jane stuff that came out. Um, And that's something she regrets having that picture taken. Yeah, that picture. She had a picture taken with Viet Cong. Or with Vietnamese soldiers? What was the yeah, controversy? Yeah, I, I, I believe... It's been a little while since I've read about that, mm-hmm. but it's been... And actually, I will say, if anybody has interest in the Vietnam War, because um, it is a fascinating war, uh, Ken Burns' Vietnam documentary mm-hmm. is on Netflix, and it's a hell of a watch. Um, but... Because um, it's so funny that she said that and had that criticism, because I did not... I was, like, so sad at the end of this. Well, I think... You know, well, it, it also any, doesn't show the... F- fucked up shit america did though no it didn't and, and so there was there was that. and so it's like to address it it's like the thing the thing a lot of people also felt that the film was racist that everyone who was asian in the film is portrayed as like this demonic monster who's making these guys uh, white americans kill themselves yes i hear that um and i would never tell anybody that they're wrong for feeling that way sure i think that the thing about it is like again so much of the runtime is not in vietnam it's the america with these guys mm-hmm. and the movie is less of a saving private ryan where it's like here's the troops they're going on their journey mm-hmm. here's what happened to the troops it's like here's what happened to these three friends yes yeah. um yes what happened to their friendship yeah what happened to them and their friendship uh but coming home is another fantastic movie people should definitely see yeah. um but yeah and so there's def- and the the russian roulette thing the big controversy was like this never happened this mm-hmm. never took place uh, and I love the Roger Ebert quote, but it's also, I think, a thing for me as a film viewer. I also love Social Network, mm, and yeah. I've never necessarily, I've never necessarily. It's not that I don't care, but if a thing is true or not true within a film, mm-hmm. is not the biggest deal to me. Now, granted, that's also because we live in a time where a movie about a spooky possessed doll is told to be a true story. So oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to get, like... Based on a true story. Yeah. yeah. On yeah. factual yeah. events talked to by some police officer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was high uh, out of his mind on cocaine in the 80s. Uh, but I know that matters to some people, that it's like... Mm-hmm. But also, Deer Hunter doesn't purport to be true, as yeah. it were. It yeah. doesn't it's come like off... It's like a novel, like you said. Yeah, it's like Rambo. Honestly, yeah. the first... And I don't mean, like, the second Ram- the second or third Rambo movies where he goes crazy, but, like, First Blood, the original Rambo novel... Yeah. ...is a novel. And I think it's also interesting to me... And I've heard the story and you can, you know, and it's all um, anecdotal, Mm -hmm. but a lot of Vietnam vets or children of Vietnam vets Mm -hmm. talk about the deer hunter as Mm -hmm. being like accurate or the film that made them because I guess the plot is not about again, like a group, a a battalion going off and onto a thing. It's about the feeling in your friendships and your small town and all this other stuff Mm -hmm. that like they said, like that the deer hunter was the film that made them feel like, brought up anxiety or PTSD or mm-hmm. all these other things that Vietnam, other Vietnam war movies did not. That's very interesting. And I would imagine too, I have no idea because I don't have family that w- uh, participated in the war, but I feel like it would be if somebody said, yeah, this was the movie that made me understand my relative who went to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And after they came back to shed some light on that, I feel like that makes sense to me because of how they treated the post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder, which wasn't even a thing then. Or PTSD. And how other people treated it because like yes. we, we were talking, why would they have a massive party for when this guy just came home from yeah. Vietnam? You know, yeah. it's, it, yeah. So there's a really, there's some really interesting stuff in there to unpack what you were saying. Uh, I also think it's really important to note that this movie inspired in the person who started, who started getting funding for it, the creation of the Vietnam Memorial, mm-hmm. which I think is one of, if not the, I don't want to say greatest, but like most impactful to me memorial for a war. Yeah, uh, the story behind it, the, the the how it got made and everything, and just the memorial itself, I think is like it's 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 perfect for what mm-hmm. happened. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good and bad to take in this. Secondly, you know, talking about the controversy, I think it's important to note too that like the 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 Russian roulette thing, uh, uh, not realistic, but apparently inspired in people after this movie came out to actually play <laughs> Russian roulette, and there are for real 25 at least reported deaths that were like that's that that were recorded as like oh this game happened because of the movie The Deer Hunter, oh which God. is like so sad and fucked up. Yeah, yeah. But it's a thing of like. You can't. I've always been terrified of Russian roulette 
when since I was a kid and <laughs> like just no guns in general. Yes, especially. But I don't remember how old I was as a child when I first uh, like learned about understood. The, you understood were just what like, it was. You know what, guys? I'm gonna set this one out. <laughs> and like you were all about, you know, tag is just a gateway. <laughs> exactly. It's a Russian roulette with a group <laughs> of friends. Look, you guys. Are, That's how we got into comic books. <laughs> you, you guys are joking, but you know how we've all had those like little kid fears of like, oh, when I get older, I gotta watch out for quicksand. Like everybody makes that joke of like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the fuck oh, did you watch? When I, no, it's just when you're a kid, there are certain things in cartoons and stuff in movies. I didn't like Russians they, and I didn't like roulette. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds awful. When, when you're a kid, you're like, oh man, I'm going to have to get good at jumping across lava rocks. Like, cause that'll be a, a I, thing I, that'll I, have to. I did to... not have these thoughts as a child. I didn't see My childhood thoughts were like, my childhood thoughts were like, I bet I could do better on Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yes. Yeah, right. Like, I better train for when it's my turn. When I run into a temple guard. Run into a temple guard. But like, at one point, learning Russian roulette was a real thing. Of course, coupled in with my fear of guns in general, but just just thinking in my head, I will never be in a situation where I'll be at a party and that shit goes down. You need to find you some new friends. Dude, I'll never, you know. I will say, yeah, I agree with you. Guys, Hector's on record as saying that he will never play Russian roulette. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) never will. If you you ever go to a party and they're playing Russian roulette, before you leave, please text me and let me know. Because I want to see. Exactly. Or what, let us get the party? there at like, least. What party? What house in North Hollywood? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he's in Deep Valley, my friend. No, when I when I first moved to uh, when I first moved to LA, one of the things I seriously thought about was like, I wonder if I'm going to go to a party in LA with people my own age, not Russian roulette, people but like doing blow off yeah. revolvers. I was like, will I see? Will I see like copious amounts of cocaine? I was like, I don't know. And to this I've day, seen, like, how long? Cocaine. How long have you been in LA? Uh, since 2011, seven years. Have you seen cocaine? No. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed. Like I'm you not going to lie. You don't go anywhere where there'll be cocaine. I probably have and just you didn't have. notice you just don't it. Go in the I just didn't notice it. Yeah, the Virgil. Exactly, exactly. And I've been at I've been at bars, <laughs> I've been at parties and bars, and like I've had a a friend like tell me like like a female friend like oh those two women they're like, gonna people go. People have done cocaine in our old house. Of course, probably. For oh, sure. a hundred and ten percent. So many wow. cocaines in our. Old house. Well, I'm saying that as wow. if it was me. It was not before <laughs> we moved in. You just mean in general, not before we moved in or while, while we were there. Oh boy, during some of the parties, those come drop parties. Sure. You're yeah. telling me some improv folks weren't doing some of the some Something. of the white sugar. I've never seen exactly. it. The booger sugar, and I'm a little bit disappointed. But I, <laughs> I, I should have been at the door. Hey, got to drop a dime bag of bug sugar. And- yeah, <laughs> but there is a part of my brain. If you're gonna come to a party at my house and you do cocaine, exactly. let me know just so I can watch. It's, it's, exactly. It's the ultimate. Give us some cocaine and a one word suggestion. <laughs> it's the ultimate example. Brush and roulette's the ultimate example of peer pressure. <laughs> and 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 it's a thing that you know. Since I was young, I was like, I will f- never fall prey to that. I'm gonna, get, I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get the fuck out of there. And it sounds stupid, but that shit scared the hell out of me for real, mom. For real, I had for a real. revelation today. Mm-hmm. I want to let you know, as your son, <laughs> don't worry. About I will me. never play Russian. Roulette. Don't worry about me. You can count on me. Yeah. I had to ask some tough Russian questions. But but really, that fear stems I know from where little Hector would get a hold of a revolver. No, but for real, the, the answer <laughs> Just that kidding, fear in San Diego that fear turned it's into borderline open carry down there. I will never be in a situation where there will even be this like most remote ch- chance playing that somebody right now. <laughs> I'll go get mine out from underneath my my driver's seat right now, dude. <laughs> oh boy! But really sad. Baby, that, where's my gun? Exactly. Really sad God that twenty five. Which pair of pants should I leave that in? Twenty five men. <laughs> died from their like of the movie the deer hunter because it's a macho six brother no. <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ on on tape um, yeah the um, other thing the other there thing might was, be a new host next week <laughs> i already got will it be I got, I, got, I got my replacement lined up but the other thing i was this thinking about gonna end with a gunshot and no one's gonna yeah. know until next week <laughs> we'll be back next week uh the other thing i was thinking about that the yeah. thing that you mentioned cameron like while watching the movie was was man i don't It felt like at one point, I bet the deer hunter didn't help people think about Vietnamese people in a more positive light as I'm watching the movie. Because like you said, it is. Well, and the film is three years after the war ends. It never Um, shows any Vietnamese people in any positive light. Yes, but but they got killed. I, I debatably True. they deba- do show like, when they throw the grenade yeah. down Oof. very briefly that there's woman. the Vietnamese soldiers who take Steven mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah uh, you know so mm-hmm. but yeah as far as like having like a a, a nuanced a, a, you know for lack of a better term like a friend of theirs who's gonna be over there especially considering yeah. that it was very much the Vietnamese and the American militaries yeah. fighting together yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's true but but again like we've been saying 
this story is about Robert De Niro's character, Christopher Walken's character, and then that other guy who plays the character Steven. Like it's those three dudes and yeah. and sort of how they go into it and how they come out of it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I feel like this is, again, it's not, it's just only part of a complete breakfast. It's not your whole education on Vietnam. It's mm-hmm, like you exactly. watch this movie, you go watch other movies. You watch the get Ken Burns documentary. Yeah. Get a glass of orange juice and a muffin. Okay. Yeah. Before you can't just, <laughs> Guys, nobody yeah. fucking eats breakfast nobody, like that. Nobody. There's like complete breakfast. two eggs, bacon, a bowl of cereal, yeah. <laughs> half a grapefruit. Who's doing that? Take a nap because you're going juice, to do a food coma. Exactly. You've eaten on, so much. On a, like when I was part of this complete breakfast, when I was a kid, like on a good day, I'd have a bowl of cereal and then a bag of two pop tarts and that was my complete. You would do both? This is this yeah. is the, this is the real question. Pop tart. You would fucking do pop tarts. Toasted or untoasted? Untoasted. Because no, because usually put those be like, in the backpack. Yeah, you should be like, okay, mom, like drive me to drive me to school. Those and are I'm getting eat. eaten in my fold up desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I think it's so. Um, Pop tarts. Uh, it looks beautiful too. The cinematography is so, from. Let me get. The, I don't want to mess up this name. Look that up. And while you're doing that, the locations, especially when they go hunting in those mountains, are some of the most gorgeous. Lord yeah. of the Rings. Pennsylvania looks cool. Oh my god! I want to go to Pennsylvania because stunning. of that. It made me want to go camping. Let's and go it to made Pennsylvania. Me, like th- that camping trip was fun, and I and I was wondering, I'm like, which one of those characters am I? Am I, am I Fredo? Am I? Uh, you're not Fredo. Who like? <laughs> come on, are you gonna, come on, wear your fucking you gonna, boots. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna carry a little gun around. You're gonna yeah. slap your girlfriend at a wedding. <laughs> no, and grow a no, real, but just real bad mustache. You get in a fight at a wedding though. That when, would be you. Maybe, but when going to camp, when going camping, like Keller is. You a know camper. which one I am. You are. Axel. I'm the big guy. Yeah, no, you're not Axel. Axel. Yeah. I'm the other guy. Yeah, you're the other oh, guy. Oh, the, the yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Um, and uh, then like Lucas is a serious camper, and I'm like, I take it seriously. I, j- I would hope to contribute to a good camping trip. But who who shot this? So the cinematographer is uh, Vilmo Zygmunt, uh, who's uh, amazing for the cinematographer. He did uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, The Long oh, Goodbye, okay. Sugarland Express, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. Uh, One so, of his favorites. Yeah, Blowout. No slouch. No slouch. McCabe and Mrs. Miller is on this list too. Oh, I can't uh, wait. that one's amazing. McCabe's yeah. Mrs. Miller's also a fantastic film. Um, but yeah, yeah I, th- we, I think the performances across the board. Uh, we got to talk about an Altman movie. Yeah, we have to talk about Kazali. Yes, we have to talk oh, about yeah, John Kazali. This is the first of his five films. Yeah, and his last performance, all of which are featured. Yes, wow. and this is our third movie in which an actor died before the film's release. Yeah, Oof. so just last week, Brandon Lee with The Crow. What was our first one? Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee, that's right, died before the film was released. Um, so sad. And then, yeah, now we have uh, John Cazale, who was only, again, the most mind-blowing statistic. And I've been seeing this, like, shared on Twitter recently, just, mm-hmm. like, just randomly, just recently, that five films, five film appearances, each of them nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And was he ever nominated? Passed away. Um, I don't, if he was, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe mm. for Dog Day Afternoon, if anything, right? Yeah. So for those who don't know, he was Fredo in The Godfather. So it's Godfather 1, 2, Dog Day Afternoon, The Conversation, and Deer Hunter. Yeah. Are the five films. Uh, he was with Meryl Streep at this time. Yeah, they were dating. Uh, they were dating. He was like 42 and she was like 28 or something. It yeah. It was like a 14 year difference. Uh, he was dying of cancer, lung cancer lung during, during the, this filming. During the filming of the yeah. movie. Um, was uninsurable and Robert De Niro paid for the insurance because he wanted Kazali in the movie that bad yes and so they filmed all of his scenes first uh to get them done and i don't and know he's great in it yeah he's fantastic in it really um good. and he passed away the, before the film came out i don't know if he passed away before, before the film production was finished before production but i think they already completed all his scenes yeah, yeah they said like a week after shooting Jeez. was and a big reason for meryl streep to take on the movie and do, do her first movie was that so she could work with him wow. and be with him while he was dying um yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, that's the thing is like the movie. The movie's a fantastic movie, but there's also a lot around the movie yeah. with like uh, the controversy, the stars in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that again, it was part of what was called the Vietnam Oscars, mm-hmm. um, and then Chimino himself, and then what he goes on to do after this, which is Heaven's Gate, which mm-hmm. is an infamous film. Tell us about that because I haven't seen it. But I don't think I've even heard of it. So Deer Hunter, Deer Hunter comes out and it's it it, it goes over budget and over schedule. Mm-hmm. Did it do Michael, good box office wise? Or oh, no? it was huge. Um, okay. Michael Cimino was a commercial director, and he was known for having these Where's very the lavish. Beef? <laughs> <laughs> he was known for having these very lavish, great-looking commercials, but also was known for spending a lot of money on them mm. and taking time. And Clint Eastwood hires him to do uh, uh, Thunderbird and Lightfoot, yeah, which mm. is a movie with Jeff Bridges, uh, and. 
Clint Eastwood's also the producer, so Clint Eastwood has say. And so people have talked about that. Probably the best thing that happened to Michael Cimino on that film was that Cimino was a guy who loved to get multiple takes and do all these extravagant takes and all this but other Clint stuff. Clint Eastwood had also made the movies and he was like, <laughs> Clint Eastwood yeah. is like, oh, no, that's good. Two's yeah. good. Two's good. Uh, and Jeff Bridges talks about this during the making of Heaven's Gate is that there was no one on Heaven's Gate to be able to go, nope, two. Yeah. Done. We're done. Wow. Um, so Thunderbird and Lightfoot comes out and is um, like a sleeper hit, but it does well enough for Chimino to get a second film, and that becomes Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. No one's there. And, you know, now he's dealing with all these, uh, not to take anything away from Clint Eastwood, but mm-hmm. actor, actors like De Niro and Streep and mm-hmm. people who are like, yeah, let's do another take. Let's find something different. Let's go. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So it goes over to budget. Over schedule. And speaking of that, it's so organic. The perform the scenes yes. in this, it, it oh, really yeah. does feel like they You're just... You're in a town in Pittsburgh. Yeah, man. And they're just like figuring it out in the moment. And it's beautiful. But yeah, go on. But it does super well and wins all the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. So then... And this is also the new Hollywood era where it's like Scorsese's coming up, Coppola, mm-hmm. Spielberg, all these guys. And so the studios are like, okay, here you go. Whatever you want to do, here's all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great book called... Uh, um, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls that I'd highly recommend people checking out. A big section is about Heaven's Gate. So Chimino gets like this uh, blank check mm-hmm. to go make his next movie, which is Heaven's Gate, which stars Chris Christopherson. Um, Christopher Walken comes back. Christopher Walken having won the Academy Award. Yeah. Comes back. Best supporting actor. Jeff Bridges is in Heaven's Gate. Jeff Bridges is in Heaven's Gate. And Sam... Um, um, oh my God! Waterson, Peckinpah, yeah, Sam Waterson, Sam Waters. hell yeah, Sam okay, Waterson. I'm so fucking sold on this. Very young Ooh. Sam Waterson, and it's about uh, a small town in Wyoming and these land barons who are wanting, who are paying uh, assassins to kill the people who are living there so that they can take the town. Is it like big budget or a huge open range? Um, to to an extent, yeah. yeah. It's a, so it's a western in Wyoming. Um, long story short, it goes extremely over budget, mm-hmm. uh, and it's almost four hours long, mm-hmm. almost four and a half, I think by the end of the cut. Um, and again, back in the era, it only comes out in New York and LA. Mm-hmm. And because he has final cut in his contract, the studio, which is United Artists is going, this is too long. You gotta cut it. You gotta do this, this, that, and the other. But he's like, I got final cut. I got final cut. I got final cut. The movie comes out, the critics ravage the film, oh. rip it apart. Oh. Which is also what happened to Friedkin's um, Sorcerer, which was what happened with Martin Scorsese's New York, New York. All these guys who were coming up in the 70s making relatively low-budget, artistically interesting films. That hit big. Studios suddenly are like, here's a bunch of money. Right. Go make a musical. Go make something in South America. Go make your big, crazy Western. It bombs. Yeah. Um, and then there ended up being a bunch of different cuts of Heaven's Gate, uh, but it almost bankrupted United Artists as a studio. Interesting. And Chimino essentially got put into director's jail. He still does movies over the next 10, 20 years until he passed away, I think, last year, actually. Oh, wow. Um, but he's never given and nothing huge that like budget yeah. again. He's yeah. given a couple things here and there. Or that kind never of final like... Cut or clout. That kind of clout. Because the Deer Hunter, like you said, all these actor-actors, all these, you know, yeah. like... Oh, that's such a shame, man. I think his last movie was in 1994. Uh, wow. And last I'd read, he'd moved to France and I think written a novel or two and won a couple awards for those novels. Nice. Oh, okay. Um, but he yes. He wrote The Deer Hunter. Yeah, because he wrote The Deer Hunter. Um, it's and- just, it's, it goes to show, like, as creative and as, and as good at his job as he was, it's not just one person, it's a collaborative process. And yes. that producer You've of Clint gotta Eastwood. Take some fucking notes. You got to take some notes. Imagine if also imagine put Clint Eastwood in your western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heaven's Gate ended up becoming a, a Hollywood punchline. Anytime there was a new crazy big budget movie mm-hmm. that came out, Titanic, they would say, "Oh, is this Heaven's Gate?" It's or? the new Heaven's Gate. Everyone fucked uh, up. Everyone lives. Blah blah. blah. But, I'm curious. I kind of want to see it. Well, in the last like oh, I want to see it decade, anyway. there's been kind of a reevaluation. Uh, Criterion finally released Heaven's Gate mm. as the original cut, beautifully remastered, mm-hmm. and people are kind of re discovering it mm-hmm. and kind of going oh this is actually amazing mm. um it is too long i mm-hmm. would say whereas like deer hunter i'm like it's the length that needs to be so the impact hits you for those yeah. characters yeah heaven's gate it's very much it's beautifully shot it's a gorgeous looking movie fantastic performances but it probably wouldn't hurt to cut an hour there are lots of scenes of like horses running around in circles and chris <laughs> christopherson's like with them, and it's like this is gorgeous. But it is in Wyoming, and so twenty yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's but yeah, it's Criterion now, and it's gorgeous. Wow, I'm gonna watch that. I'm really curious I'm about watch it. Watch the shit out of it. Yeah, you're a big Western guy, so yeah. you're gonna be all over that. And I like all my Chris Christopherson. Over it. Everybody's been talking about Blade. 
recently the 20th anniversary of blade is this year is right. he a stars blade? a new star Bro, is born chris christopherson chris yeah. christopherson is in blade. yeah he's whistler. he's whistler he's the he's awesome it's him and snipes i don't remember that dude we gotta he watch ra- blade. he raised blade i gotta watch it yeah, he raised him that's right the daywalker for blade it's good, it's good. So, but is blade on this list uh i don't think no so. <laughs> i don't think it is it should be no fuck but not replacing the deer hunter the deer hunter does deserve a spot on the list so speaking of the list cameron the yes. time has come if you could pick a movie to exist in the 500 greatest films of all time, what movie would you contribute to that list? Young Frankenstein. Damn. Ooh, first Mel Brooks of the list. Putting on the room. Because I have a gut feeling list like this. Yeah. The only Mel Brooks movies that usually tend to make it are Blazing Saddles and Producers. Uh, mm. sometimes Young Frankenstein is my favorite. Young Frankenstein is my favorite movie of all time. It's so uh, fucking I adore fun. that movie. I feel like it is often... Um, when Over people talk looks. about Mel Brooks's best, it's always usually and I, and they're great movies, not to take anything away, but it is usually Blazing Saddles producers and what? Blazing Saddles. It blew everyone's mind, and, and occasionally Spaceballs, which uh, controversial. Uh, I'm not the biggest Spaceballs guy. For me. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Spaceballs guy. Mm. He's got like five Sp- like Sp- high anxiety. High anxiety doesn't do a whole lot for me either. Or I actually high anxiety I do enjoy. There's some pretty but like History of the jokes. World. Well, it's the difference. I think like his, there's a reason why his his best best movies have star Gene Wilder. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think Gene Wilder, and not to take anything away from Mel Brooks as an actor, I think he's perfectly fine and very vaudeville. But, but he's a caricature. He's a caricature. Whereas like I think G, uh, Gene Wilder brought heart, or he to straight a lot up of that stuff. plays uh, Frankenstein straight the entire time. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Here's the crazy thing: he's looking committing at, the entire time, looking at the list as it exists, there's only one Mel Brooks film, and it's Blazing Saddles. Young Frankenstein and the producers didn't make it. Which that is, is insane. Nuts. It is insane. <laughs> the producers <laughs> won best screenplay. Yes, I think so. Yeah. And I don't love. And was I believe nominated for picture? Might have, but I, I think screenplay. it was. Yeah, I don't love um, uh, uh, Young Frankenstein and the producers the way that a lot of people do. But I still see Young Frankenstein. I'm like, oh, I can totally see how this was. And the, you still laugh out loud yeah, when you watch it. There's yeah, there's absolutely great moments. So, dude, great contribution. I already put it on the list. Young Frankie, there it, it is. Definitely Bam. Be on the list. That's, that's great. insane that that's not on the list. Yeah. This is going to be a really interesting new list of 500 movies. Oh my god, it's going to be so much better. I think it is going to be, be a lot better. So much because we'll just be trimming the fat. Like no one's going to fucking say Saw. Yeah, no <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind Saw, but it's uh, not the 500 grades. Agreed. No. Agreed. Agreed. Pirates, I, Pirates I mind 2, though, Saw. is one I will be like. Pirates 2? Yeah. Pirates 2? Yeah. Well, again, to be fair. I watched it again, and it is not as bad as I thought it was. It no, is, no, no. Here's the thing. It yeah. needs a half hour trimmed I don't know if there's any straight bad. Again, I'm not super familiar with the list. I don't know if there's straight bad on here. And guess what? Him? Hey, guess what? There is. I'll read you all the bad movies. Thank you. All right. Well, yeah. be, while you're looking through, while you're picking real quick. Yeah. Let me, so, Hector. Yes. Uh, Superman Returns is a bad movie. I, I got to rewatch that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is... In the Company of Men... Is a good movie, uh, yeah. but it's a bad movie. It, yeah, um, Flash. So you were talking about like Vietnam movies Flash. you hadn't seen. Which one yeah. had you seen? It. Um, shit. I mean, Forrest you Gump doesn't seen Apocalypse count. Now, but it you counts. Haven't seen Full Metal Jacket. I, I. It's probably not on this list. I love Born on the Fourth of July. Haven't seen it. I yet. haven't seen it. It's I think Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. and it's Tom Cruise, and I love Tom Cruise. But you know, nowadays you can watch a movie with Tom Cruise, and it feels like. You're watching Tom Cruise, very yes. likable. Yes. This is when he was still like really grabbing to kind of find yep. acting roles. Yep. Um, he's amazing in it. I think Born on the Fourth of July is a barn a barn burner. It's so good. Awesome. Okay. That's great. Yeah, I feel like as far as Vietnam film one. and yet somehow I every time I think of, of Vietnam, I think of like Because Oliver Stone also did Platoon. Yes. Yeah. I think of a helicopter flying into the jungle and then you just hear You just doom, wanted doom, to do doom, that. Doom, doom, I'm like, what is that? Is that Tropic Thunder? Thunder It's Tropic Thunder. It's. (laughs) I think Tropic Thunder is so brilliant. It is the helicopter war. Here's the other deal about that and the Korean War. Mash. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing about Tropic Thunder is. um, I think Mash is on the list. Is there some truth to you know what what Tropic Thunder says about actors being in Vietnam and war films and how it's really kind of gross that it's it's disingenuous it's these actors trying to get oscar bait roles and all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff and that it's it's not sometimes it's not real enough do you think there's any truth to that with the deer hunter well it's interesting i can't remember who i'm gonna look up who said this quote because well, i want michael chimino go to vietnam 
I don't know. You mean like was like he in, in the Vietnam? war? I do I, not believe so. I don't think so. Okay. So there's an element of of you know of artists speaking about a thing that they may not have experienced themselves. I'm sure That's I know thing. Robert De Niro didn't it's the same go. Thing I know with anything like so, are they speaking it, yeah. from a place of experience? Yeah. And are these people trying to honor the sacrifice that people actually made? I felt like they were. I felt I like this movie. Like no movie. I doubt mm-hmm. many movies spoke of how it affected people. PTSD. And, yeah. And well, I think back. I, I yeah. can't remember. I can't find who said the quote, but there's a quote that, that, that like there's no, especially there's no such thing as an anti-war movie because any movie is going to make war look something. cool. There's an explosion. Someone. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily. Dis- I can't remember who said it, and I wish I could, but um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that statement. I get what they're saying, mm-hmm. um, but I will say I think this, due to the fact that there's not much time spent in actual Vietnam during mm-hmm. the war. Uh, I think born on the 4th of July. And actually, um, there is a Sam Peckinpah movie called Iron Cross. Mm. Oh. Uh, have you seen this? No. Uh, and but it's I've read about it. brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it makes war, because it's Sam Peckinpah, so it's so grisly violent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does not come across as heroic yeah. or fun yeah. or anything like that. Um it's a tough balance to strike. It's tough, yeah. Because I, I also did not if feel... If it's a character-based war movie, then I think you're going to have a lot easier time making it seem like it's the fucking worst. Yeah. Yeah, uh, to actually talk about some of those realities. This movie did, did feel like an anti-war film, but it also felt like it was trying to take the character that Robert De Niro played and and honor him and also Steve who came back and was fucked up and, and yeah. the way that Steve, by the end of the movie, they didn't leave him in the veterans hospital. You know, Even though movie, he was saying, don't, though, he, 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 I don't, yeah. I don't fit anymore. I don't fit anymore. Yeah. And now the movie doesn't have De Niro look him in the eyes and go, you fit. Let's come back. You know, your wife, needs De Niro you, know that's not true. Right. So it went through the same exact thing at the end of the movie. Steve, this character is still it kind of reminded me of a, a much more I know is more kid friendly, but Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump mm. that when I saw that as a young kid that had a big impact on me. Lieutenant Dan's little story where he wanted to die. He felt, though, that that was the only honorable way to live his life. And at the end, he says to Forrest, you know, I never thanked you. And then doesn't even do it then and then just goes and swims. And by the end, he's got legs and he's got a wife. And he, yeah. you know, that still impacted me. And I felt there were some similar shades with the Steven character. So then the movie is, it's anti-war, but it's pro, let's help these men. Forrest Gump is now big fish in my mind, I think. Yeah. They're the same exact thing to me. <laughs> Just like a magical man yeah, exactly. going through everything like, in the world. And that's what happened his whole entire life. <laughs> yeah. His they life all was showed up at yeah. his funeral. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um yeah, but that's a tough that's a tough balance cuz again, even if a movie shows some of these men in a in a slightly positive light. Yeah. Will somebody look at it and go, "Well, that's a pro war movie." It's like not necessarily. Well, I think it helps too that the movie. That's a pro guy that had to go yes. fucking fight that war. And again, that kind of great juxtaposition is the scene in the wedding where a Green Beret shows up mm-hmm. to drink at the bar. Um, Fuck and it. Fuck it. And the uh, Robert De Niro and all his friends are like, "Oh my, tell us what it's like. Tell us where we go. We can't wait. We're gonna be there." Blah blah blah. Uh, because now we have the hindsight of looking back and going like, oh my God, why can't they not wait? But you got to mm-hmm. remember at this point, even though World War II was terrible and the Korean was War was terrible, it was sold to us as like heroes. Heroes. We did it. You're going to go be heroes. I think Born on the Fourth of July nails that really won well. those wars. Technically. Yes. Um, and so they're all excited. And this guy is just dead eyed, almost unblinking, staring off, staring forward at the bar Doesn't and then look just at says, them. fuck it. And yeah. drinking, and yeah. so he this- only looks at Christopher Walken while he's shaking Robert De Niro's hand. Yes, yeah, yeah I remember that. That was a really great little subtle. There's yeah, so many was. great subtleties. Yeah, there's a bunch of little moments mm-hmm. in this that I like. Uh, there's the scene when. Uh, uh, what grabbed you was when it looked like Robert De Niro was going to try and kiss Meryl Streep. I know, and you were bar. like, "Is that a Robert De Niroism?" But it is so <laughs> it's so quick. Yeah. He like does it, and then Meryl Streep immediately starts nervously laughing and looking down into her. Beard. And then they both act like nothing really yeah, exactly. happened, yeah. and they never do until he comes back from war. I liked how Keller pointed out. He goes, "Did Michael Bay just rip off Pearl Harbor from this movie? Where yeah. there's kind of a love triangle, kind of." Well, the difference is Nikki would have come back too. Then yeah. true. Yeah. And then there would have been the love triangle thing to that. Yep. Man, that was so crazy mm-hmm. when they were playing Russian roulette against each other at the very end. Dude, it's so sad. <sighs> yeah, the editing, I think that's the thing. The editing of this movie, like the the sequences and the way they're done, especially the Russian roulette sequence, especially the one at the end, is so 
stressful. Tense. Tense. And so like yeah. every single one of them. Yeah. And that's that why I think like the first one. The, the first one when you and got they keep slapping Christopher Walken in the face. POWs. Over and over again. It, you well, know. And that's uh, where we were watching this with some other people and they were reacting very like viscerally. Viscerally to yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> the slapping and everything was like ugh, ugh. It's so tense cuz all the music cuts mm-hmm. and then like the music is weird in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, the, so that guitar piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's re- awesome, but like... What part? What part does a guitar piece come in? I forgot. What would be, I guess you would call the Deer Hunter theme. It's that kind of Yeah, it's really like melancholy. picking the guitar. It mm. plays it a lot when they show the church. Yeah, uh, that's okay. John Williams. Uh, wow. Did yeah. he do the score for this film? Uh, only opening title. is what they, mm-hmm. uh, Opening title Deer Hunter theme is mm-hmm. John Williams. Everything else I think is... is um, if, I feel like every other piece of music is like... Just in Another the movie, it's songs or yeah. him playing the piano. I don't know if there's no, actually there is other. Like, there's like weird swells when he's like looking. Oh, in the mountains, yes. like when he's standing on the street and like someone walks away. Like I don't know. It, there's, I think like, there's like some choral pieces and stuff, but I don't know yeah. if there's like a deer hunter score necessarily. Yeah. I think it's just that guitar yeah. piece. It's good though because it's understated and it works for the just themes some of, of the, the film. Weird orchestral stuff that yeah. comes in randomly. Well, yeah. I kind of I want to talk about the ending a little bit when they're sitting around the table singing. Um, America, America the, beautiful. the Beautiful. Yeah. I don't like that. Uh, it was interesting. The way I saw it was like they were all sitting there and nobody could say anything to each other. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this guy starts singing in the kitchen. And then, all okay, now we all have something to do mm-hmm. while this guy's fucked and it I'm could be fucked. That. And, and it also felt like to me it was the characters, Meryl Streep, you know, having lost her fiance, boyfriend after a couple of years he was mm-hmm. gone. Everybody just trying to say a nice thing about Nick because mm-hmm. Nick is a soldier who we lost. To Robert De Niro, Nick is a guy who went over the deep end and, and had PTSD and shot himself in the head because of Russian roulette. To everyone else, he's a soldier whose and body also came back. very well could have been doing drugs. Yes, he was yeah. shooting up. That's yeah. what De Niro saw on his arm. So to everyone else, it was, God, it's so sad we lost our friend. What can we do for him? He is an American hero. He's a war hero. Let's sing America the Beautiful. Like, I felt like See, they that's didn't the know so what to I do. I view that as... Um that scene, because again, it's all about living in this small town, this mm-hmm. very small, it's this kind of town where everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. They illustrate that by when uh, De Niro comes home, everyone's like, Michael, Michael, Michael. Mm-hmm. Very small town, everyone knows each other. Probably your job is the job your dad had, mm-hmm. kind of a town. Mm-hmm. And or you're so, working it, in that factory. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's very much this kind of like Americana, blue collar. Uh, again, oh, we can't wait to get over there. We're all going to be heroes. Send us to where the most bullets are flying, this, that, and the other. And I feel like it's this sort of ironic thing yeah. at the end Commentary. where it's like, oh, that whole dream, that whole thing, the whole, you're going to go there, you're going to be a hero, you're going to get your girl, mm-hmm. your friend's getting married, look at we're doing it, we're living our lives, was a fucking lie. Yeah, it's yeah. bullshit. And so it's this sort of uh, ironic Oh, you thing. mean the military? Well, well <laughs> but I think like them singing America the Beautiful is yeah. more like a kind of melancholy irony and less mm. them being like, well, thank God we're still in America because we saw Vietnam yeah. was on fire. I don't well, view I, it like I that. Didn't, I didn't pick that up yeah. either. I definitely picked up a, a, a sense of, maybe there was a sense of they still, even though they don't believe it, they still have to be like, well, I didn't just he, do that for no reason. Right. right? Nick didn't just yeah. die for no reason. Yeah. Right. God I bless America. Both of my legs. For He's no here. Reason. Yeah. Steve, God bless America. Yeah. But I totally agree with you, Cameron, that it is the filmmakers and everybody involved. Them putting that final little stamp oh, yeah. of like the American dream. It might not be. There's nothing. What everybody thinks. Or it might be not be what you shit. thought it was yes. from what your parents had told you. Yes. Um, and yeah. and again, I think it, you know it's, it's it's three years after the war. Like we're still yeah. making movies about nine eleven and still dealing with like mm-hmm. what did it really all mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. this is like three years it's after the war. Years later, yeah. so to have this be to some extent as subtle as it is, and be able to walk away with s- certain questions about motives and stuff like that, I think mm-hmm. is like more interesting. Because uh, it doesn't tell you a lot of stuff. No, and like, Chimino, I think, he, is how a, did he get back to mm-hmm, Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Chimino as a director, when he'd get asked a lot of questions, gave sometimes different answers, uh, mm-hmm. which I kind of like. That's sort of the David Lynch approach where people would be like, what did Twin Peaks mean? And you go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like how Steve's character said to Nicholas. Just take what you take from it. 
I didn't, we didn't do it. That's not my kid. What, you know, when his wife, when they got married, was pregnant, he revealed that. And the way Nicholas reacted is really interesting. And you said that the director said, oh, it's because it's Nicholas's kid. The movie never revealed Yeah, the who- director said it's Nicholas's kid. In that scene, Stanley, uh, the character Stanley is kind of going like, I know what Angela's like. I know. So it's like almost mm-hmm. the film is trying to say, well, maybe it's Stanley's, but Nick has yeah. this reaction. So yeah, there's kind of this like. somebody say like, hey, I never slept with her or something? Didn't somebody say that to Steve? Um, Am I misremembering something? I like, think he was saying it to De Niro. Or De Niro was like, man, you don't know what you're talking about or something like that. And yeah. Stanley's going like, I know, I know. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So there's all these kind of like... Small town. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it is. I think like <laughs> there's a lot about this movie. And it is uncomfortable. Like Stanley punches his girlfriend at the wedding. Oh, there's a lot about these yeah. characters that are very uncomfortable. Um, uh, but I think there's something to it that... Uh, and I can totally understand why someone would be like, I don't like this movie because I don't like these characters. Mm-hmm. I totally get that because they're drunks. They don't treat you know people great and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. But those uh, are a bunch of people who had were made to go fight for... Uh, and De Niro's probably the only like decent person, but even he still is like, want to yes. fuck my best friend's girlfriend. Yes. Um, they're, they're all... But he never does. They're products Until... Of, debatably. Until, oh, yeah. yeah. Then we don't know. That's true. Yeah. But, but then they, again, it seems like every single time she comes in, he's either asleep or just lays there. Yeah. yeah, but they are all, all of these men are products of their upbringing and culture. Yeah. Well, it and, also feels very yeah. honest to a small town. Yes. Yeah. Having it lived does. in a small town, I've, you know, born in Glendale, born in the LA area, but the town I live in, La Crescenta, is mm-hmm. pretty small. It's very mm-hmm. similar to like, here's the local bar where you could see all the people you went to high school with and their Towns. wives who you also went to high school with. Yep. Yeah. You know, yep. and their kids are going to the and elementary school you went to. And they all dated each other and now they're just dating each other's former girlfriends and so their whole thing is yes. already built yeah. in because there's seven people in town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like, ooh, this feels very real. Yeah. yeah. You know, the big ceremonial church thing, the traditions within that and that kind of a thing. I'm like, oh, I all recognize a lot of this. before the wedding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm really glad we watched this movie and I think Cameron was the perfect oh, guest to, to talk about I think it. this might be the most we've actually talked about a movie yeah. for the duration <laughs> of the I have a lot of yeah. thoughts. So Before many. diverting yeah. and talking exactly. about, you know, it's like, what Avengers. else? What else? Uh, <laughs> Avengers. Yeah. Well, it's not... Listen, we had you talking about how you made a, a decision as a child, it was very yes. brave, to never play Russian and I stand oh, by. Oh yeah, it. true. We got real into that. I stand Nobody by. Nobody in this movie is in any Marvel Cinematic Universe Look, movie. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Nah, I'm not so sure. Mm. No one is. I'm trying to. Mm, you no might, one. You might Walkin right. was in Batman Returns. True. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> Doesn't count. Well, eventually they'll so eventually weird get in that too. They'll eventually get played as Walken. 007 villain again. <laughs> I'm loving yeah. Max Shrek. Yeah. Yeah, I'll push out a higher window. <laughs> oh, that I will say that I do love for a movie that takes place in Pennsylvania. The cast is like the most New Yorky cast. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Hey, forget about it. I don't know. I don't know hey, her. Get out of here. I get feel like Meryl get Streep is the only one who even like. You know what? I'm gonna attempt to sound like I'm from <laughs> yeah. Pennsylvania. But she had a little bit of an. She accent. had a little bit of one. And yeah. and the guy Axel, who I guess was an actual oh, who's from steel there. mill yeah, worker. But all he goes is fucking a. Great. You want to fight or you want to fuck? Pennsylvania. That's Pennsylvania. Which I love that too them as a couple which is like again it uh, this is why i love 70s movies it's like little things can paint an entire picture like Mm -hmm. axel and his i'm a supposing girlfriend because it's the only woman he spends the time with i'm like man i can see their entire relationship Mm -hmm. and what it's like in the three scenes they're in together that's it that's it and it's yeah it paints a complete picture yeah when he's in the trunk of the car and he like grabs her and kisses her and they're making out in the trunk of the car because he started humping the trunk of the car because he liked the cadillac so much yeah that was the and i liked her too because she's like kind of a rounder face lady she was a little Mm -hmm. bit of a bigger lady and i was like Mm -hmm. i like this there's a cute little round couple i love it you know like the big bulky guy (laughs) big bulky guy they're rambunctious. I'm like, I'm for this couple. Yeah. They have three scenes together, and I'm like, I've seen a whole other movie in my head. It's like <laughs> what their life is like. It's like Samwise and his Hobbit lady at the yeah. end. Of the, at the end of Return That's of the King. That's why they give you the long shot. It gives you <laughs> that person's entire story in yeah. the said yeah. scene or the shot that could be ten seconds too long. Yeah, but uh, and the hunting enough. scenes are amazing. Yeah, they're really. Oh good. yeah, for Ooh, sure. Did we ever learn if they actually did kill a deer or if that was like tranquilized? Because oh, it was, I don't know, seventies. I think it was just National Geographic footage. I hope so. Also possible. They did I have so. real Vietnam footage. They yes. had like yeah. some news footage. You can tell. <laughs> that is the that is the thing about watching a movie on DVD or Blu-ray mm-hmm. now is like you can always tell when it's like, oh, this isn't film anymore because yeah. you got news camera footage because yeah. the oh, yeah, quality dip. People put you can you it guys was, put filters on this. Just get the fuck out of here. It was not something that <laughs> to was make like it look old. It wasn't distasteful to me. I like no, appreciate no. it. I was like, oh, oh wow. no, I like that. Yeah, me too. Me too. So at the I end of the day, more even. 
I would recommend The Deer Hunter for, for people that have never seen it. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, oh my gosh, go watch it. We spoiled so it. much. We spoiled the <laughs> exactly. whole goddamn thing, but it'll be really enjoyable for we you to watch. every movie on um, this list. And I think that it should be mandatory viewing for people, and especially like high schoolers and stuff in the U.S., studying Vietnam. Again, along with other yeah. uh, footage yeah. and documentaries and films. I definitely want to see some Vietnamese movies about the Vietnam War. Yes. That'd be in- I've never yeah. done that. That'd be very interesting. I don't, I'm not going to say there aren't any, but I'm not there's aware of any. Yeah, there's got to be. There has to be, or there there has to be. If you're more. a listener and you know of any, yeah. please, yeah, yeah. Please hit us definitely up. send us those. Hit us up on Twitter and stuff, or at least there has to be, or films. just anything from. Like this is maybe a little left field, but like I know of Japanese Godzilla movies that are specific commentary about like the tsunami that happened in Japan and how it oh, affected yeah. the country. So maybe yeah. there's still film coming from Vietnam that it might be about one thing, but really they're about. The oh, other yeah, thing. That's a huge. Oh, true. Yeah. You know, so that's interesting. Cameron, thank you so much. Yeah, Cameron, this was a blast. Thank you. For that flew by, and that was a solid hour. Oh. Flew by because, we, again, we were talking with the illustrious Cameron Rice, <clears> and we, he had a lot to say, and we had a lot to say, and the, the movie's really fucking good. Cameron, you're so illustrious. Yes, I'm you are. I'm you are. Day by day. Uh, Keller, what yeah, are we watching lusty. next week? Next week, we are watching Snatch. Snatch. Guy Ritchie Snatch it's with be Justin. Justin Baker. It's comedian and uh, actor Justin Baker. Did, he, did nice. he Did he choose it? Was he like, I want to do the Snatch episode? I think episode? he did. I think he had like a few that he narrowed it down to, and then that's what it... That'll be very interesting. I think he came in pretty late. He came in pretty late. So if you have stars, it's streaming on there, so you can watch it or whatever yeah. if you have that. If not, it's rentable on Amazon and on YouTube and Google Now and Vudu and PlayStation and Apple, iTunes, whatever bullshit. So The looks first like line it's... is surprising that this should make the 500 when Lockstock hasn't. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Even the magazine is like, oh, Ooh. no. Yeah, because yeah, Lockstock is better, guys. They're Brits. They're Brits. But, uh, you know, it's this, this list is not always about the better movie. It's about personal top 10 lists coming from people and everybody has a different experience. I do wish you guys could do a comparison with like Lockstock and mm-hmm. or uh, Snatch and then watch like Rock and Rolla, which is when mm-hmm. Guy Ritchie was like returning to the British gangster mm-hmm. thing with because, Daniel Craig. Uh, Who was in that? Lair- no, no, that's no. Layer Cake. Layer Cake. But because that's the thing is like Matthew Vaughn was uh, Guy Ritchie's producer on Lockstock mm. and Snatch and then he goes and does Lair Cake mm. Guy Ritchie goes and does the Madonna movie mm-hmm. and then they have not worked together since Snatch and so a lot of people are like oh Guy Ritchie has not been the same apart. yeah oh so are people saying that it was more Matthew Vaughn well that maybe his... he at least had I definitely see it a in creative Kingsman now well it's yeah. kind of like uh, Gary Kurtz is with George Lucas in the mm. first two Star Wars mm. is Matthew mm-hmm. Vaughn the Kingsman guy Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I definitely see Guy Ritchie in those Kings movies. For sure. There. And a little bit of Kick-Ass yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Matthew Vaughn, I have an interesting, like, um, uh, kind of like take it or leave it with it. Like, I like ha- him. Half of his stuff, I'm like, this is good. And the other half, I'm like, I don't think this is good. Very yeah, interesting. it's fascinating. But Guy Ritchie, yeah, we're going to get into it. He does it. good action scene, though. Yeah. He does. he does. So that's he next does week. Good action. He does good action. Uh, Justin Baker's going to be here joining us, and it'll be easy to get a hold of him because he's our neighbor. Exactly. So that'll be real nice. <laughs> Piece of cake. Bang on his door. Knock like, on the watch door. Watch this movie with us. Come on over, bud. Uh, again, Cameron, you're the best in the biz, buddy. Thank you so much for coming over to watch this movie with us and talk about it. Where can people find you and your work on the internet? Yeah, just go to uh, twitter.com slash Jurassic Alien, uh, and that's where you'll usually see me. Uh, talking about movies or wrestling or comic books. Uh, if you saw The Deer Hunter and disagreed, please let me know. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, photography. Uh, Cam Rice Photo on Instagram where you can see me putting up all kinds of different work. Nice. Awesome, yeah, That's man. mainly it. Awesome, man. Thank well, thank you, you again. so goddamn much. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of want to look at that list to see if I can claim another spot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you can. Next coming up. all you. 2019, baby. One. We're going to get you in early on that. And mm-hmm. we will be back next week with Justin Baker talking about Snatch. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bar. Bye.